0: Well, thank you for being with us. We're in a series right now called Honorable Mention. And uh, the whole tone to that, to this series, is about winning in life without being first. Because for some reason, we think the only place that's a real win is coming in first. When really the thing is, is we each have our own race before God. And we're not in competition with anybody else. And as we begin to put each other first... That's where our best life is released. You are, you are the best person you can possibly be as you embrace God's assignment on your life to serve others. That is where you flourish. That is where you shine. That is where the fulfillment of your life is released, is when you embrace how God built you to be a blessing to other people. Because that's it, He built you as an expression of Himself in other people's lives. So we're going to go ahead and get into this. <clears throat> if you've got your UVersion app open, you can just open that up. And if uh, you've got your, your old school notes with us, we're just going to flow right in here. And um, the uh, Matthew 10, 39 says that whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In The last series I would share the story about that I was training for a little duathlon and Keenan was riding along beside me on the bike as I was doing my first ever three-mile run. And I was sitting there going along and Keenan was encouraging me and telling me, hey, Dad, you know, you know I'm excited. You know, are you going to come in first? And I said, no. And he's like, oh, Dad, yeah, don't say that. You can come in first. And he begins to build me up and try to, try to encourage me. I was like, son, son, come on. I'm I'm not even training to come in first. I'm not going to come in first. And it really bothered him as a 10-year-old for me to be out there running a race to not come in first. And then finally, as we began to chew that, and it got quiet, and then a little bit later, he's like, Dad, just just don't come in last. And I was like, Son, I'm probably going to come in last. I'm doing this not to beat everybody else out there. I'm doing this because I couldn't even run three miles. I'm doing this because that's, that's just finishing is my measure of a win. And ultimately, God's called all of us to our own measure of a win. That's why the word tells us that if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we aren't wise. You're going to step into the epitome of foolishness when you begin to compare yourselves with each other. Because you'll do one of two things. You'll either, you'll either stop short because you think you're far enough ahead. Or you'll never try because you'll think you can't be somebody else that's ahead of you. And we end up messing ourselves over every time. God's called us to live a full life. And it's not about being first. It's about serving and about being willing to lose our lives for his sake. And when we push all of ourselves and allow it to, us to be lost in Him, that's when our real life gets found. That's when it really gets revealed. See, of all the wonderful things that we do as Christ followers, the stuff we did like this morning of worship, or this, what we just did of giving, or purposing to make sure that our life makes a difference, Of all of the things that we do as Christ followers, the greatest thing that we can possibly do on this planet is to forgive. There is nothing that puts us more in the category of being the children of God than to genuinely from our hearts forgive. Why? Because we can't do it on our own. We can't. We're stuck in this place and we have to be willing to do it. Forgiveness is vital because without forgiveness, relationships are done. If you have something comes in and forgiveness can't be brought in there, that relationship is, is on a downward spin. And at some point, it will be severed. Whether or not it's emotionally and you just happen to deal with each other and be polite or you actually just say, you know what, I never want to see your face again. And you get on other sides of the planet and make sure your you don't, paths don't cross. But if we do that, if we don't forgive, we have, immediately this thing of the death of the relationship comes in. And that's why God forgave us while we were sinners. While things were completely messed up, God forgave us then. Because there was no hope for any kind of relationship if God had not brought himself to a place to forgive. If God had not been in that place. See, having seven kids, I have to do the, the unfun part of child rearing, of the discipline part. And that discipline comes in lots of different lots of different things you know the whole punishment fit the crime thing whether they lose privileges or 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 sometimes they our family still is old school the uh, corporal punishment give a little paddling every once in a while as necessary and um and so when I was I'd noted with my kids that I'd sit there and I would give them their their discipline. There would be this little place where we are loving on each other and, and letting each other know that the relationship is strong. And they're sitting there and they're three and four years old and they look up into my face and they go, Daddy, I forgive you. I'm like, now, wait a second. You're the one getting punished. You're the one who has the correction. You're the one who who broke the known rule and you got into a place of rebellion. And now we're having to bring some correction and you're going to forgive me? Yes, thank God my children forgave me. Because the thing is, is correction only goes as far as we embrace it. If you buck up against it instead of a place of correction, it ends up being a place of offense. And we've all been at that place where somebody loved us enough to to point out something to us, and all it did was make us mad. All it did was get under our skin. And then this place of unforgiveness comes in. See, thank goodness, even in that place, that, that forgiveness has to find its way through every piece of our relationships. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, you're at the altar, you're there, there to worship you're about to give and he's talking to the to the to the old testament worshipping jewish people if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or your sister has something against you leave your gift there in front of the altar first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift the issue of forgiveness begins to trump everything. Well, but I'm at church and I'm, I'm worshiping and the fact that I'm ignoring this person, I'm at least doing a good thing. Oh man, I'm about to write a really fat check. The fact that I'm not forgiving this person, I'm, at least I'm doing something good. Forgiveness is the number one. It's the number one. We can't load ourselves up with enough good stuff to say, all right, God, guess what? Let me off the hook and let me be mad forever at this individual. No, we can't offload it because forgiveness is the most important thing. If it wasn't, God wouldn't have given his son. He wouldn't have given the best to make sure that we had it. If it wasn't the most important thing. See, as we navigate these waters of us walking in forgiveness with each other. We have to remember that we come from it from a place that we forgive because we are forgiven. Anytime we begin to to look at it just from a human scale, we will find a reason to hold a grudge. But when we begin to look at it through God's eyes and we begin to look at it on the eternal scale, all of a sudden, everything gets put in perspective See, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, we don't use that word grievance on a regular basis. We don't go, um, can we go and have coffee and talk because I've got a grievance with you. We don't say that. We don't use the word grievance. Okay. As we look at the Greek meaning of this, there, the Greek there means blame or fault that's what that Greek word for grievance means that someone else is actually to blame and someone else is at fault this isn't this hey I'm going to try to figure out if I misunderstood and therefore if I get it all the little stuff squared away in my head then I can release it because it was just a misunderstanding and I don't have to be mad anymore no this is their fault fault They're to blame and we still have to process it so many times we can have the first grade idea of forgiveness where we sit there and one of our little buddies in first grade hurts us or offends us and then they come up and they say I'm sorry and then our response is it's okay guess what folks forgiveness isn't about it being okay I think that's why we are reluctant to forgive. Because in our culture, it says, if, to, if I say I'm going to forgive you, if I'm going to quit hating you and holding this between our relationship, then that means I am placing the okay stamp on it. And that is never, ever, ever what Jesus God was not in Jesus saying, hey world, it's okay. That's not what the cross is about. That's not what grace is about. If you think that grace is saying, okay, you can do whatever, I'm okay with it. Now that Jesus is here, I'm cool. I'm cool, you can do whatever you want to. That is not what grace is about. Grace is about us being able to to not have to live under the pressure to perform ourselves, but to stand in a place of being forgiven and to walk in the power of Christ to live a new life. That eventually we look up and the stuff that we had to be forgiven of has just fallen out of our lives. But there is a process that is still there. And we're still forgiven. That is the the whole point of grace. That if anybody has a grievance against someone. if If there's blame or fault. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So many times people would sit there and go, I can't forgive because I don't understand. There's some things that you can't understand because they're just wrong. You can't look at it from any angle and go, okay, I see how you would have maybe come to that conclusion and done that act or made it. No, some of them are, they're just heinous. They're horrible. They're terrible. And you can't wrap your mind around it. And those things we steal Make sure that there's a place of forgiveness in our heart towards the other person. Not saying it's okay. Not putting yourself in a position to be wounded that way again. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. But we have to be willing to forgive each other. Let's look at the beauty of Psalms 103. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he begins to look at the benefits. We get excited. We want to praise God. And we're not going to forget his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. And heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's how he responds to us. That's how he responds to us. We jump down to verse 10. And it says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. You know what iniquity is? Iniquity is the underlying thing that creates the, those surface issues. Let's think of it like this. That we will we have, we'll have an earthquake on the surface. But there is this thing that we call a fault that lies underneath the surface. And that fault, when it, when it moves, it creates all this trauma that all of us can see and feel on the top. Okay? And but that fault is still there. That is that iniquity. He doesn't just forgive the stuff where we the surface stuff descends on the top. He goes all the way down and even forgives that, that place where we keep responding from. That, in, that iniquity that keeps driving that same thing over and over again. It says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him and as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Now I want us to quickly look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is this great relationship chapter. It talks about what we do when somebody messes us over and we have to try to find some some reconciliation and so we we get here Jesus has gone through all of that he's talked about all of that and we pick up in verse 18 okay now Jesus is telling his disciples truly I tell you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven you could there are whole books that have been written about that verse right there The whole concept of binding and loosing and our power on earth and connected to heaven. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven and loose on That's some heavy stuff, folks. That's some powerful, heavy stuff that Jesus told his disciples that we would have. I'd say that, Jesus say that, I would ask some questions about that. Jesus explained to me a little deeper this binding and loosing thing. I want to understand this a little deeper. Then he gets into something else. He says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you agree on on earth, agree about anything that we ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Okay, if two of you agree on anything they ask for, to be done by my Father. Oh my goodness, this sounds like a blank check to prayer. God, I've got some questions about this. What does agreement mean? There are books that have been written about this verse all by itself. To to get into this and to understand it and to dig deep, man, there's a lot of truth and, and some power in that verse. I'd have some questions about that. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, but where we get together in his name, there's a special presence of God there. That's a pretty cool concept. What does that mean? How do we live in that? How do we do that? Man, there's some stuff we could preach sermon series on each one of those. So here, these three big nuggets just get dumped on the disciples. And then here we go. Here comes Peter. It's time for him to ask a question. I'd have a list, a little tablet, I hope. I'm not saying I'm better than Peter here, but I would hope that all of those verses, there's just tons of stuff. It says, and then Peter came to Jesus. And ask, here he is. Is it binding and loosing? Is it this power of agreement and prayer? Is it God's special presence? Man, it could be he could be asking anything. What's he gonna ask? What's he gonna ask? Here's Peter, he's gonna ask. He says, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Maybe seven times? You're hearing all of this incredible, awesome power rock the heavenlies, impact the earth stuff, and all Peter can think of is, man, you talked about all this forgiveness stuff before that. How much do I have to do that? It's hard. How much do I have to really forgive? Maybe seven times the same person? Maybe seven times? And then Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Seven times 70, 490 times. He's just saying, and, they, and another version, another piece of this in another gospel, says how many in a day? He's like, do I need to forgive them seven times in a day? That sounds pretty awesome. You've bothered me. You've made me enough that I'm mad enough I have to forgive. And I'm going to do it seven times in the same day. Peter's feeling, feeling pretty good about himself. And then Jesus just blows him out of the water. And then Jesus immediately goes into a parable to help us to wrap our minds around this a little bit. And he begins to tell the parable about these two guys that both owed some money. And he tells this parable about this first guy that owes this king 10,000 talents of gold. Okay, Now, to us, that doesn't, you know... 10,000 of something, you know, we hear euros and dollars and all this kind of stuff a talent, that's just another currency you know, that's just the price of a used car you know, okay, what's the deal? No, it's 10,000 talents of gold, the talent of gold is 75 pounds of gold, so this is 750,000 pounds of gold 16 ounces to a pound, it closed uh, on Friday the spot price per ounce was $1,300 per ounce of gold we look at that and that is 15.6 billion dollars as of Friday's close of the markets 15.6 billion dollars he owes this king to my knowledge none of us can write that check yet none of us can do that yet this is a major debt the king's Totally live it. The guy's just kind of blown him off. He's not paid any. He's like, I'm done with you. I'm throwing you and your family and all of them in prison until I'm paid every dime. 15.6 billion. And the guy cries and begs for his life. And the king's like, it'd have been awesome if he said, I'll give you some more time. That'd been, have been pretty cool. I'm not going to throw you in jail. I'll give you some more time. He didn't say, I'll give you some more time. He said, I'm going to cancel it. I forgive it. $15.6 billion. That guy spent it. That's why he couldn't pay it back. He blew through $15.6 billion of another man's money. And he forgives. He forgives it. Now you would think that this guy would be the lightest guy on the planet. Woo! Skipping. Woo-hoo. I won the lottery, 15.6 billion. It's all gone, but you know. I don't have to pay it back. He ought to be lighthearted and carefree. The story goes on to say that he comes to a guy that owes him some money. More than likely, he was a businessman. He probably loaned out some of that $15.6 billion at some interest. He was trying to make a little money. Comes to a guy that owes him 100 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. Okay? So we'll call that in our, we'll say a 10 hour day at 10 bucks an hour, 100 bucks per day. And this guy owes him 100 denarii, so it's $10,000 in our market. Nothing to, nothing to, to sneeze at. That's, we deal with tens of thousands all the time in our lives. But most of us would get pretty upset if somebody owed, and say that was a legit debt. 10 grand, you owe me 10 grand. That's a big debt. I want it paid. So, Jesus could have picked something really, really little in his parable. He could have picked something to represent how we deal with one another, like two mites, which didn't even a penny. He could have really trivialized it. I love it that Jesus did not trivialize our issues with each other. He picked a decent sum 100 denarii. It was no joke. He's talking to a bunch of working people, it's about five months' wages. It's no joke. This guy is owed it owes it to the guy who got the 15 billion forgiven. He comes to him and he doesn't have it. The guy with the with the 15 billion forgiven wants his 10 grand. He's like, "Buddy, I don't have it. Give me a little time." And he's like, "Forget it." And throws him in prison and literally does it throws him in debtor's prison says you're going to be in prison until you pay every dime word gets out that this guy has been forgiven the 15 billion just threw a guy in jail over ten thousand dollars king gets livid i can't believe that i was so gracious with you and you can't be compassionate with another person in my kingdom i cared about you enough To make you not live under the weight of that—that I forgave it to you—and you can't be compassionate enough with somebody else in my kingdom over ten grand. See, when we look at it from heaven's perspective, heaven doesn't trivialize the stuff that we have with each other. Oh, forgive them; it's nothing. No, it was something. The stuff we have with each other is something. It hurts. It's painful. We're not petty. Okay? Let's throw all the petty junk out the window. I'm not saying I've got to forgive somebody for swooping in and taking my parking place at Walmart. I'm talking about the heavy stuff of life. But in comparison to what took place in Jesus, it's just 10 grand, folks. We've, been, we've received the, the greatest forgiveness. We, have, we are heaven ready we don't have the weight of that hanging over us. We can look forward to our future, and yeah, we got to deal with some junk in this life, but it's not going to be around forever, and we're not going to deal with this pain and deal with each other poking and prodding each other. It, this is going to end one day, and I can look to, to what Jesus did for me and provided that, and I go, you know what? I'll deal with you for the next 80, 90 years, but then it's all going to be cool. And forgive. And Forgive. Because if we don't, it will eat eat us from the inside out. The last thing as we close, we have to remember this. That we forgive even if they never ask for it. Sometimes we feel held in bondage. That we wish that there was this place. That man, if they would just ask me, I'd forgive them and I'd be released from this. Where do we get this idea that that we have to ask for it from each other? Where? Jesus, God didn't say, hey, humanity, if I send my son, will y'all kind of embrace that? Will y'all just ask me to do something on your behalf? It says, while we were yet sinners, while we didn't give a rip, while we hated God and were disconnected from God, he took the first act and he forgave us. Anyways, I love Luke 23. It says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with with the criminals one on his right and one on his left says father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing he says father forgive them they don't know what they're doing they they, he says it loud enough that it gets recorded in the bible everyone else around here is hearing these things that the guys next to him the bible says are hurling insults and they're cussing and they're losing it one of them at the very end softens his heart towards Jesus but there's a place where both of them are just going crazy they hear him say father forgive them and this is their response in verse 35 the people stood watching and even the ruler sneered at him he's hanging there dying for them and he says father forgive them and on the, their response to that is they sneered and then they began to say he saved others let him save himself if he's the son of God and the soldiers came up and they mocked him and they offered him wine vinegar when he was thirsty and said if you're the king of the Jews save yourself and that was their response to his saying Father forgive them so many times we think okay if I forgive then now they're going to be all nice to me maybe they won't Maybe they won't. But the forgiveness releases you. It lets you be the person you were created to be. You were not built to harbor that kind of hate and pain. You were not built to hold on to that. Acts 7, we see the exact same thing with Stephen. He's getting stoned. It says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. They are hitting him with rocks to death. Just think about their faces. Think about the amount of force that has to be exerted on the, that rock as it's, being, as it's gone through. You ever seen a pitcher's face? It's like angry. Angry. And he's just throwing a ball. He's not trying to kill anybody. And these guys, they're stoning him. They're not cold and calculated pulling a trigger. There's enough kinetic energy coming up out of their body into that rock to break his bones and shatter his skull and kill him. Their faces show every bit of that hatred. Their faces show every bit of all of that that's coming up out of them as they are pulling back and they're throwing those rocks. And he says, forgive. Forgive. Forgive don't hold this sin against them. Even Paul in 2 Timothy says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He said, everybody deserted me. I was left alone. But Lord, don't hold this sin against them. He was forgiving. They never asked. See, as we grow in God and knowing God and trusting him, our lives become more and more about seeing others live in the win that God has for them. Seeing it from heaven's perspective. Not holding on to grudges or anger or bitterness or any of the the offenses that are legit. And saying, God, help me to find a place to get past this. And truly forgive truly forgive I'd appreciate if we just kind of create a quiet moment see the first place that this begins is receiving the forgiveness that we have in Christ to try to live this life apart from God you're, you're, you're spinning your wheels you're spinning your wheels so the first place is, is to receive the forgiveness Like, well, I don't deserve it. Of course not. That's why it's forgiveness. If you deserved it, it wouldn't be forgiveness. So, if you're here this morning and you say, Brandon, I want to receive what Jesus did for me, that He paid for the way I've treated people. He's paid for the thoughts that I've had towards others, towards myself, towards Him. That I can be free in Him because of what Jesus did. And if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand.